1: this is the fray podcast brought to you by the fray.com a place for women who want more from life
2: this is what I want this is what I need if you don't have to go I can set you free I
1: Welcome to today's episode. It is a solo podcast, and I'm going to have a chat with you about being an emotional sponge. Now, I will put my hand firmly in the air and say, at times, I am the biggest emotional sponge ever. And there are times when I realize I'm doing it and I catch myself because the side effects of being an emotional sponge can be so destructive. I catch myself and I realize I'm doing it and I have to pull myself back into line or someone around me will kind of identify it and say, hey, 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 you've got to, you got to get on top of that because you're being impacted so obviously. So the term emotional sponge, to me, it refers to when someone is acting like a sponge in the way of soaking up other people's stuff. Now, it's not really a term that I've used frequently. I don't even know if I've ever used it ever, perhaps in conversation over the years. But recently, it was brought to my attention because Brendan said to me, you're kind of like an emotional sponge. And I was like, huh, I guess I am. And so a sponge obviously is a a thing that absorbs and soaks up liquid and whatever's around it. And so that's where it comes from. Obviously people who are naturally empathetic, I think are emotional sponges as well. And not just emotional, but energetic as well. You know, you pick up on other people's vibrations, other people's moods, their energy, and you absorb it and carry it around with you. That's kind of what it means In my opinion, there might be other definitions of it, but when I'm using it today in today's episode, I'm referring to the propensity of one person to carry someone else's in quotes stuff. I think that any personality type, any individual has the ability to be that sponge and soak up, but I also think it can be. Um, magnified if you happen to have an anxious attachment style so an anxious attachment style means that you rely on the connection that you have with another person to feel safe more than the connection that you have with yourself if you're quite codependent the emotional sponge stuff is more intense as well because codependency or my understanding and you know I don't have a super deep understanding but my um My knowledge on codependency is that you're relying on someone else to regulate you so if you are relying on someone to do that and they're in a bit of a state themselves it's harder for you to regulate yourself and you're going to absorb however they're feeling whatever they're going through we all have mirror neurons in our brain so our mirror neurons fire off and what that means is when we're around people our brain will kind of tell us to act in a similar way to them. That's why if you're in a conversation with someone and they cross their legs, your mirror neurons might fire off in your brain and you'll cross your legs. Or if you're speaking with someone and they lean forward, you might find that you lean forward as well. I think it's the same with if someone yawns and then you yawn too. If someone raises their voice, you might raise your voice to match So there's all these little things going on below the surface that do make us sort of, you know, um, what's the word? Assimilate. Is that the word? Assimilate maybe Um, to the people around us. If you have children as well, I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of micromanaging. You're micromanaging your kids. You might be micromanaging your partner as well. And that all goes towards that weight of what you absorb. So when we are absorbing other people's stuff, some of the things that can happen for us include feeling stressed, a lack of resilience. And what I mean by that is, you know, just something small, something minor might happen in your life, in your day. And it's like a little scratch on the surface And if you weren't stressed and you weren't so stretched, that small thing would just be a blip in your day and you would keep moving. But when you are so full of your own stuff and other people's stuff because you've sponged it up, when that little blip happens, it can seem disastrous because you don't have any resilience below the surface. There's so much emotion and so much stress just ready to sort of pour out of any tiny little incision in the top of your resilience there. You might feel resentful toward people in your life, whether that's co-workers, your significant other, your children, just your life circumstance. You might find yourself being really snappy. You know, you respond in a way that you're not proud of, um... And that happens a lot with kids, I think. I think if you are absorbing and in the workplace as well, this is not, you know, being an emotional sponge is not something that is reserved only for parents. This happens to everyone at different times. You know, you might be in your 20s and living with your parents at the moment and you're absorbing their stuff as well. It's not exclusive to being a parent at all. But when I was writing sort of thoughts down on this topic and I wrote snappy, I thought it's so true, you know, in the context of parenting, because kids are just asking things of you all the time, just by nature, you know, their whole world is you and them and they just need so much from you sometimes. Like sometimes at the end of the day, I'll look at Brendan and I'll be like, it's like they need my soul, you know, like what more could you take from me today? Bless them. Um, So you might find yourself being snappy when they ask an innocent question. That feeling of being so stretched, I'm sure everyone can relate to that, where you're like, you know what, I just can't give any more to anyone. You may have trouble focusing. You can feel like you're busy all the time, but you're not achieving anything. And that sense of busyness can come from the mental load, because you have all of your own stuff to carry, but then you're sponging up everyone else's stuff too. So then you're firing off all these new tabs that are opened up and maybe you're worried about work stuff or you you've got the school tab opened or your partner, whatever it is, like, you know, maybe your parents, there's just all these tabs opened all the time. And you're like, you know what? I can't focus and I'm so busy, but I'm not getting anything done. that feeling of being busy can come from just that mental exhaustion. Also, the physical side of doing things for people and absorbing, you know, literal tasks. Like maybe when you hear the term sponge, you're realizing, holy hell, I'm absorbing so many tasks in this household that are actually not mine. So you might have to not only minimize mental tabs, but let go of some of the physical actual literal tasks that you're doing. You may notice when you're absorbing or you've been absorbing for too long that you're angry and you're like not sure why you're so angry, but you just feel angry and tense. How many of you listening right now feel tension in your shoulders? Like collectively, if we all just exhale and soften our bodies, like Like, let your shoulders come down. So many of us are just rigid and hard in our bodies because we're holding so much stuff in and we're managing so much stuff. If that's you, like, just soften. Remind yourself that you've got to breathe and you've got to physically let your body go soft. You know, let your belly breathe out. Don't hold it in. Let your shoulders relax. Just go soft, and you're going to tense up again, but remind yourself to keep relaxing. For a while there, I had to keep saying to myself, soften often, soften often, like, <laughs> like just on repeat. Um, but yeah, when you're sponging up everyone's stuff, you become rigid in your breathing. You become rigid in the way you hold your body. You can also just be rigid in life, feel like you don't have any space to be fun or fluid because you've got to manage everything. You're the task master i'm sure that there are people who are like yep that is me and at different times of my life that will be me as well as humans we all have a relationship to control we just do and control is such an illusion none of us have actual control if we were to really acknowledge how little control we have in our lives It could be hard to get on with the day. You know, if you were to think about how we can't control the other cars on the road, we can't control if we're going to get certain illnesses and become unwell. We can't control if the people around us are safe. But we build up this illusion and this sense of control often by the way that we um, move through our day, the habits That we create the things that we um, take part in and so control can also make us want to carry other people's stuff because it's like you know what it feels safer to manage it it feels safer if i am in charge but softening and releasing is such a gift and just acknowledging there are certain things you just can't control And living a life where you feel rigid and you feel exhausted and you feel all of those things that I just mentioned about resentments and snappy and not being able to focus and feeling stretched and exhausted, like the exhaustion level of being an emotional sponge is so high. Like you just burn yourself out. And so there are different times in my life, perhaps when I'm feeling out of control in other ways where there is, must like be some part of my brain that would rather feel a sense of control that I want to manage other people's stuff. I also think part of parenting is acknowledging that we do. We do have times where we kind of need to step in and sponge up some emotions and all of that stuff. But it's not healthy to do it all the time. It's just not healthy. So how do we fix this emotional sponging um, propensity that so many of us carry? I think it's a work in progress. I don't think it's something that it's like, okay, do this one thing and you'll be free of other people's stuff. I think it's a work in progress and the first thing that we all need to do if if you're connecting to this. And if you're not, then that's brilliant. Like so good if you can just disentangle from other people's stuff with ease that must be just such an incredible feeling to be able to do that with ease but if you are an empath or you're struggling to to do that to disentangle I think the first thing to do is to identify the stuff that is not yours And this can be hard. It can be hard if you have self-appointed yourself as the manager of all the things. Um, But identifying what's not yours is really important. So thinking about the way you move through your day and the things, the emotional, the emotions that you sponge up. What is yours and what is not? So perhaps you are sponging up your children's struggles at school and it's such a hard one to disentangle from that but just noticing okay that's their stuff that's not my stuff and a big unlock for me years ago in therapy was to realize I was taking responsibility for stuff that the kids were going through to do with the divorce and I mean we could have hours and hours of conversation on this topic of who's responsible for what but I just felt such guilt and such responsibility that really wasn't mine for the way that the kids were struggling and I realized that once I absolved myself of that responsibility I was more response able I was more responsible response able to the boys I could respond in a better way Because if I'm carrying that emotional stuff, if I'm soaking it up and then trying to support them through it, it's like three frazzled people trying to find their way out of a forest in the dark. Whereas if I'm good and I absolve, let go of that responsibility because it's not my stuff, I can then show up for them and be better at responding to what they need and be more of a guiding light and a stronger support person. You know, same with Brendan going through his fight camp, I was sponging up a lot of that stress and I've really had to identify what's not mine. You know, there are certain things that are to do with his camp that have been part of my journey because it's been triggering or whatever, but a lot of the stuff is not mine and it's like, you know what? I just have to disentangle. That's yours. That's your journey. I can support you, but that's not my stuff. Disentangling sounds easier <laughs> than it is to actually do. But have a little think about the stuff that you are sponging up and ask yourself do I need to redirect that back toward the person that's in that experience and let go? It may be helpful to actually write a physical list as well, pen to paper, and write out. Everything that you're feeling and everything you can identify that you have sponged up, write it all down, like just spew it out onto a piece of paper. Once you've done that list, start at the top and right next to it, is it yours or is it someone else's stuff? You know, are you absorbing the stress that perhaps your parents are going through? Are you absorbing... Um, your partner's stuff, are you absorbing your kid's stuff, your friend's stuff, stuff just in the actual world right now because let's be honest the world has felt like such an incredibly stressful place for like years now and we just keep getting such scary and such bad news all the time so maybe you're carrying that around as well and just go through that list and see what is actually yours. What is part of your actual control and your responsibility? And are there things that you need to identify that you're not responsible for? And if you can work out a way to let go of that responsibility, that ownership of that experience that someone else is having, I bet that you'll realize you become more response-able. You become better at being a support person. You become better at offering solutions or just being there for them. And you feel better as well. You feel more grounded and more whole as well. On the topic of lists, this was a suggestion Brendan gave to me recently when I was feeling stretched. He said, write down everything that's bothering you. Write down all of your problems and one by one, Go through and cross out the things that you cannot control. And so back to what I was saying earlier about how we all have a different relationship with control, going through a list and being like, actually, I have no control over that. It's another way of absolving yourself of that responsibility, of that um, energy that you are in control of everything. I've heard Brene Brown say that at different times in her life, she's had to remind herself that she is not God. It's like, let go and let God, let go and let God take over. And I think that she has said that she had to remember that expression of let go and let God. I think, I think that's the expression she had to say. It's like, let go, it's not let go and let Brene. And I think that I definitely relate to that. I'm not, Um, a religious person in that way but I think that you could replace God the word God if you want to with universe higher power source whatever you believe in but it's like let go and let God it's just this recognition of you are actually not in control another thing to keep in mind if you do identify as an empath someone who absorbs and soaks up other people's energies Or maybe you don't identify as an empath, but you're just absolutely exhausted and cooked and so sick of carrying people's stuff. When you enter a social situation, or maybe it's even your house, like maybe when you exit your bedroom of a morning, you have to imagine, like bear with me, but imagine a shield around yourself, a barrier, an energy force that People cannot penetrate with their emotions. It is impenetrable. (gasps) It's early. You get what I'm saying. People can't pierce through the surface of this energetic barrier, this field that you are surrounding yourself with. When I was 15 or so, I was um, part of like a company that did auditions and dancing and all of that sort of stuff and performances and I remember the owner of the company saying to me like one of the ways that she lets go of other people's opinions I must have been struggling with like oh getting up on stage and performing and people from school were going to be there and blah 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 and she was like you've got to learn to put an energetic shield around yourself it's like an invisibility cloak that you put on and other people's thoughts What you perceive other people to think about you, other people's energy just bounces straight off you. And so I was like 15 at that time. I'm now 35 and it is still something I think about putting on your, you know, your um, mental armor in a way to keep yourself safe, your energetic armor.
0: Hold up. What was that?
1: Another thing to keep in mind is that sometimes you do not have to fix things. And this is such a hard one when you have kids because nothing breaks your hearts. Like nothing breaks your heart more than seeing your child in pain and you want to fix it. You know, you just want to take that pain from them and have them never experience it. But I feel like the last couple of years have been a masterclass for me in learning. And I mean, also toddlerhood as well. Toddlerhood teaches you this, I think, if you're willing to learn it. But sometimes you just have to let people have their experience and not fix it. Because if you try and fix it, you're actually robbing someone of a life lesson. You're robbing someone of developing skills to manage and deal with it. You're robbing them of their resilience You're robbing them of the growth and robbing them of the pain, the lesson. You know, just recently, one of my boys has um, something special happening for him in his life. He's got this special little thing happening and he loves it. And it's so exciting for him. And his brother is jealous. And, you know, just reflecting on like my impulse was to try and absolve him of that jealousy by reassuring him by distracting him by offering him something that you know could be of the same value and equally as cool but I had to check myself and be like no 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 jealousy and envy and discomfort are part of life so yeah it sucks like it sucks that my eight-year-old son is feeling that way but so be it he will move through it and he will be okay And I've said that to him, you know, like he's cried, he's been upset. And I'll say like, I'm there for you. I'll hug you. I'll hold you. And it sucks. And I'll empathize with him and I'll say, this sucks. Like this feeling sucks, but it's okay. I think so much of like the stuff I've had to learn as an adult is that it's like sitting with my pain and my discomfort and knowing it's okay and not having to run from it or silence it with an unhelpful behavior. The reason I say that you can learn this in toddlerhood if you're willing to learn it is that there are so many things your toddler and also your baby, but there are so many things that your kids go through that it's tempting to fix. You know, um, I'll have people reach out and say, my two-year-old only wants me to bath them. How do I let them, uh, you know, how do we integrate their other parent getting involved or my whatever it is, my toddler's doing this behavior, that behavior. And there are certain things, you know, like with biting and stuff like that, that you can help and support and guide them away from that behavior. But there are certain stages that you just have to let your kids go through. It is entirely developmentally common for a child to only want one parent sometimes, because that's all their brain can deal with. They can only deal with this one main relationship for this time in their life and it is short lived. And I know when you're in it, it's so intense and so exhausting, but there are things that you just don't need to fix. You just need to ride out. You just need to go, okay, I can't fix this. I'm not going to try and fix this. I'm not going to expend any more energy on trying to fix this because it's just a phase that we're going to move through. Let go and let God just move through it. You don't have to fix everything. And that extends to your partners. You know, if your partners are in discomfort or they're in distress because of something happening in their life, of course, your impulse, especially if you're a nurturer, like I am such a deeply nurturing person that I do want to fix things all the time. And so that's why I say it's a work in progress. I can't just wave a wand and get rid of that nurturing part of myself. And I wouldn't want to because I do love the mum in me. But, you know, maybe your partner's going through something hard and you want to put on your tool belt and your hard hat and your work boots and you want to get in there and fix it. You want to go to work and be like, I'm going to fix this. But you can't. You just can't. Of course, there are times in a relationship where people will want your input and your support and perhaps need you to come in and help them. But it's not your responsibility. And I also think this is just reflecting on past relationships something I've learned is when you try and fix or you try and micromanage your partner you basically infantilize them you turn them into a baby and when that dynamic goes from equal partners equal adults to you feeling like you've got a baby your partner that's like the beginning of the end that sounds dark It might not be the beginning of the end for some people, but it can be the beginning of the end of desire and intimacy because no one wants to sleep with someone that they think is incompetent or that they feel like is a child. So this whole like practice of pulling back and not fixing stuff and letting someone stand on their own two feet and letting someone have their own experience, yes, it's a gift to you because... Mentally, it lightens your load and your um, emotional resilience and your strength and all of that. But it's also a gift to the partnership and to the family, if you have one, because it's working towards keeping your relationship healthy and balanced. And I think when it comes to all relationships, not just your romantic one, but your work relationships friendships, your, with your siblings, with your parents, with your children, one of the best things we can do, and we're learning this, you know, as you know, I feel like this has kind of in the last five to 10 years become so much more accessible and so much more of a common topic to speak about, but we need boundaries. We need boundaries to protect and keep those relationships sacred and a boundary in the past has often been thought of like a line in the sand where you cut people off. You know, it's like, this is the boundary. This is the limit. You can't cross this line. Whereas I think now, like sort of as a collective whole in the zeitgeist, we more understand boundaries now as a protective barrier of what we're going to keep in for ourselves or keep sacred to a relationship. It's not so much about what we're keeping out it's like what are we keeping in what's important to us and so when it comes to being an emotional sponge having boundaries is so important so those boundaries could look like you know what I'm not going to get into an emotional conversation at the end of the day because I know that my resilience is lower after a day of parenting or a day of working um, and I just don't have the capacity to take that on boundaries can be not answering your phone if you're just not in a place to have a conversation boundaries can be saying to someone thank you so much for sharing that with me I really want to have a great you know like I want to have a productive conversation with you on this topic but I'm gonna need some time and space and I'll come back to you and then give the person a time when you'll be able to circle back to them and come back to them and that can be really deeply uncomfortable Because you've probably been conditioned to be accessible and agreeable and compliant and be a good girl. So it can be uncomfortable to say, hey, I need some time for myself. But boundaries are so important. A boundary could mean that when you notice those symptoms we mentioned earlier, the stress, the stretch, the inability to focus, that you take time for yourself you draw a boundary and you say okay I need half an hour to myself I need an hour whatever it is it's just knowing your own personal limits that's half of boundaries and then the other half of boundaries I think is being um, able to communicate that boundary with the people around you and to also follow through on it as well self-care I know, (laughs) I know the term self-care has become all about, you know, bubble baths and filling your cup up and all of that kind of pithy stuff, but it's so needed. It's so necessary. Self-care is essential to protecting yourself from being that emotional sponge. You know, we've all heard that expression that you can't pour from an empty cup. I think we've heard it so many times that it just doesn't even hit. It doesn't even land anymore. But I'd love you to take a moment to think, to visualize an actual cup. It can be a, just your everyday drinking glass I've got a old peanut butter jar next to me that I've washed and cleaned and all that. And I use those for um, drinking out of. So that's, that's what's next to me at the minute, like a glass jar. It could be a wine glass, whatever it is, just, I want you to picture a glass or a cup or a mug that you drink from. And so envision it, imagine it to be completely empty. Have you got that in your mind's eye? It is an empty vessel. Now imagine yourself filling that cup up. Fill it all the way up, past halfway, past three quarters, all the way to the top. So that cup is full to the brim. Now keep pouring in your mind's eye. Pour to the point where that cup is overflowing. What happens? It overflows down the side of the cup, it collects at the bottom of the cup. And if you keep pouring, it spills out. That puddle around your glass, your mug, your vessel will get bigger and bigger if you keep pouring. That is self-care. So what I mean by that is if you fill your cup all the way to the top with self-care, that overflow reaches the people around you. It spills out and it reaches them as well. They get a better version of you when you are full. When you are full and content, that reaches those closest to you. That overflows. But if there's no overflow, it's not reaching people. They're not getting that. They're not getting the best version of you. They're probably getting nothing. You know, if you imagine them positioned around your glass. And if that cup's empty... You're not even getting the best version of you because you're not full. You're not full to the brim with being cared for. So imagine that visual. If you feel any guilt surrounding doing things for yourself or taking the time for self-care, that's saying, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't spill from an empty cup. You can't reach those around you very well from an empty cup. And you want to reach them and you want to impact and You want to love and nurture and care and give them the best version of you. So let that overflow happen. But to get to the point of overflow, to be able to reach those around you and love those around you, you've got to fill yourself up first. You've got to love yourself first. So self-care can be uncomfortable if it wasn't modeled for you in childhood, It can be uncomfortable if you have assigned yourself as keeper of all the things in your household, in running everything, in soaking up everyone's stuff. But it's so important in being able to kind of reverse some of that sponging is to fill your cup up. Often we are our own gatekeepers of pleasure. We're the ones in our own way. I think... One of the, um, back in the Snapchat days, (laughs) bear with me here, but one of the Snapchats I did when the kids were maybe two, I'll never forget it because I had such an overwhelming response from people. So Snapchat was big before Instagram stories and that's where I would, you know, I guess speak and share sorts of, you know, different food for thoughts and experiences and whatever and a lot of parenting stuff. And I can remember um, being on holidays where I actually live now and going for a walk on the beach. And, you know, so I was down with the family unit and I went for a walk on the beach on our last day. And I did a Snapchat saying, you know, um, at that time I was married and my partner had said to me he kept saying like, go for a walk, go for a walk, go do something for yourself. And I was so resistant to it. Like, no, no, I don't need to. You go surf, you do this, you do that. Making sure everyone else's needs were met, but my own. And on the last day, I was finally like, you know what, I'm going to go, I mean, I I am, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something for myself. And I remember walking on the beach and just thinking, This is my own doing. Like I am the one saying, no, no, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. I'm good. You go, you go, taking care of everyone else. And just that mindset shift of realizing I'm responsible, you know, like I was depleting myself. And I wanted to mention that in this episode, because often we think that we're so important that things just will not go on, cannot go on without us. And most people, when it comes to doing something for yourself, you're not thinking about taking a week off from life and running away and going on a big holiday. It's like you just want to go have a bath or you want to go have a night out with your girlfriends. Like It's such a small ask, but we make it out to be this big thing that's going to inconvenience other people. And often the people in our lives are not inconvenienced by the slightest. They're relieved. (laughs) They're like, yes, go do something for yourself. You know, just last night, the boys went to their dads and it's just been kind of a stressful period here. Nothing too dramatic, but it's just been like a lot of moving parts and being the emotional sponge that I am just absorbing everyone's stuff. And last night, the kids went to their dads and I said to Brendan, I just need to go and have a bath. Like, I just need a half an hour to an hour to have my little Sanctuary in the ensuite to put a podcast on, to scrub off my old tan, and just to soak and just to reset. And he was like, "Yeah, cool." Like he couldn't care less. You know, he's always telling me go and do something. You know, for yourself and whatever. But I think sometimes we just get in our own way, and the people around us don't actually mind. It's just that we haven't expressed that we need that need met. I think so much frustration and conflict in life could be avoided if we all just expressed and speak our mind of what we need in a respectful clear kind way if you um, struggle with communicating with people in your life have a listen to my episode on the 10 golden rules for communicating with your partner you can apply them to all conversations not just your romantic relationships but if you are sort of acknowledging that you have trouble expressing what you need or carving out time for yourself have a listen to those tips on how to communicate clearly and in a way that is you know it's called non-violent communication which sounds dramatic but often our tone and our body language can come across as quite aggressive when we're communicating things especially if it's important to us so have a listen to that episode Taking time for yourself, so important. When you do take that time, spend it wisely. What are the things that you need to do to ground yourself and restore your energy? Is it time in nature? For me, it's often a really long shower or a long bath or a walk movement. Um, But what grounds you? Is it meditation? Is it time with friends? Whatever it is that you need Just make sure that it is something that's adding and filling you up, not something that's depleting and taking away from you. And don't confuse chores with time for yourself. I've spoken to so many women who will be like, I just need my kids and my partner to get out of the house so that I can clean. Like I'll feel better once I do the washing and I do this and do that. That's the domestic load. That's not actually filling you up, even though it might feel better because you feel relieved that it's done but what are the things that actually fill your cup up and give you that overflow effect figure that out grounding yourself um when you notice that you are absorbing other people's stuff so you could you know just practice different grounding techniques it could be as simple as repeating a mantra to yourself There's a funny little one that I use, which is not my circus, not my monkeys, or not my monkeys, not my circus. And it's just a reminder that whatever's going on around me is not mine. Not my monkeys, not my circus. Let go and let God is another good one, as I've mentioned a few times. Grounding yourself could be just a hand on your heart and checking in with where you are and how you're feeling and just noticing, okay, how do I feel in this moment? And is this my responsibility or am I absorbing someone else's stuff? Breathing, box breathing is a good one. So where you breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, that type of thing can help. Meditating, mindfulness. A little simple one can just be going and running cold water over your wrists, over your pressure point there. That can be grounding as well. Even just that little practice we did earlier in this episode of letting your shoulders drop is good journaling is so great for us emotional sponges to just spew it all out and again go through those lists cross out the things you can't control look at the things that are not your responsibility another great um, expression that i heard years ago is segment intending and i heard that through abraham hicks And so segment intending the way I understand it, and I could be wrong here. So don't come for me, but I could be wrong. But the way that I understand segment intending and the way it helps me is to notice when I'm moving into a different portion of my day. And we're always moving into a different portion. And to me, it's like a little reset button. So say you've just tucked your kids in at night and maybe it was a long and arduous bedtime process. Then you walk out into the kitchen. Be intentional with noticing you're entering a different segment of your day and you can leave that energy behind. So that can mean walking into your kitchen and being like, I'm in the kitchen now. I've walked into the kitchen. A new segment of my day has begun. And just noticing. Maybe you've been involved in an uncomfortable conversation and then you've got to go straight to school pickup. Or you've got to go straight to another task or into another meeting. Um, Or you're meeting a girlfriend. Noticing that a new segment has commenced when you get into the car. It's a refresh. A little reset button for you to go, huh, (sighs) look at that. I'm now in my car. I've moved away from that situation and I'm going to leave it behind because I'm in a new segment of my day. Hopefully, hopefully this emotional sponge episode has been helpful. As I've said, it's not going to be one thing that you do that fixes this and you are cured and you are no longer an emotional sponge. But like all things in life, we have an invitation to grow and learn and reflect and get to know ourselves better. And when Brendan said to me, you're an emotional sponge, I was like, holy shit, I am. Holy shit, I am doing that to myself. So maybe even just this terminology will be helpful for you. Maybe noticing some of those things that I mentioned, you know, that feeling of being busy all the time, but not achieving anything, the exhaustion, the anger, the lack of resilience. Maybe just for someone listening today, you'll go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize why I'm a ball of, you know, tense and rigidness. It's because I'm absorbing other people's stuff. And maybe letting go of the responsibility will make you more response-able and enrich your relationships. There are episodes in the past on boundaries. If that's something that stuck out for you in today's episode, there's a conversation with Dr. Rebecca Ray. There's also a solo episode called Boundary Boot Camp. Um, But most of all, I just hope this episode has provided... One morsel of helpfulness for someone out there. Excuse my voice. As I said, it's early while I'm recording this, so it comes and goes. If you enjoy this style of episode, let me know. Send me a direct message on Instagram. Share it on your Instagram stories. This is a independent podcast in terms of it's just me. Like it's just me sat in front of the computer. I have support from Acast in terms of um, advertising and things like that, but one of my biggest goals is to make a difference and to help in any way that's, that I can. It could be something that's really surface level or it could be something deep, but I would love to grow the Frey podcast. So I would love you, the listener, if you enjoy this podcast, if you listen to it weekly, please take the time to either rate it on Apple Um, If you don't enjoy it, please don't (laughs) just move on, let it go, unsubscribe. But if you enjoy it, like if you listen to these episodes and I don't drive you insane the whole time, it would mean the world to me. If you share it with your friends and family on social media, tag me on Instagram. I can reshare it as well. It truly means a lot to me. So anyway, also, if you're not part of our Frey Facebook group, jump on over in the description of this episode so when i say show notes it's the description of the episode um you'll find a link to join we've got our fray facebook community can post about all sorts of things over there and if you are an emotional sponge you know what and you've listened all the way to the end jump over to instagram and go to any of my photos on instagram and leave the little sponge emoji and i'll know that you've listened all right take care of yourself Bring that sponge out, fill your cup up, all of the analogies and I will speak with you really soon. This
2: is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going